0: up y'all and welcome back to found bites a game review series my name is brian and i'll be your host if you don't know about us we're all about testing out and finding small high quality video games this is a podcast that aims to respect your time and money as a gamer and a consumer by sifting through storefronts and sales to find the gems that may be worth your precious resources if you're interested in reaching out or helping out Feel free to email us at foundbytesgrs at gmail.com, tweet at foundbytesgrs, and also rate and subscribe to us on whatever podcast feed you're using. Also, don't be afraid to leave some comments. If you're a developer who would like to participate in our Spotlight interview series of special episodes, please reach out through any of our channels. We would love to hear from you. But enough about the show. Let's get into our next game. Trigger Witch is the game for this week's episode. Trigger Witch is a top-down twin-stick action-adventure game. Some comparable games, so there's a lot of DNA from Zelda Link to the Past in this game. Uh, a lot of kinetic gameplay from Hotline Miami, some similarities. And also Under Dungeon, a game that we've reviewed before. Release dates. This was originally released in July of 2021 on PS4 and 5, Xbox One, and S and X, and on Switch, and in May of 2022 on PC. The game was developed by Rainbite, which is a small team from New Zealand. So, shout out to New Zealand. And they do have one previous game called Reverie. I have not played it. And the game was published by East Asia Soft, which is a big indie publisher, and some games that we may have talked about before, like Chasm and Scott Fold, uh, Shrouded Insanity. The game was released with a physical edition on PS5 and Switch, and I believe it came out at launch. And that was through Play Asia. So I'm not sure the exact relationship between East Asia Soft and Play Asia. I think there might be some connection there. I'm not sure if it's the same company. But it released a regular and limited edition, and the limited edition came with like a booklet and a soundtrack. The game was released with an MSRP of $14.99. Digitally and those physical editions, uh $29.99, I believe, for the regular uh, play Asia editions. I'm not sure about the limited editions because I think they were like pre-order only. There were like 2,000 copies, but I am seeing them on eBay for like 50-60 bucks. So fairly reasonable if you're down for that. And runtime of the game, if you're playing it straight through, just for the story, probably about nine hours. And there's a lot of extra goodies to do. Maybe could bump you between ten and twelve, possibly. And it does have a platinum trophy for our PlayStation listeners. Uh, there's a lot of trophies. I think there's like close to sixty trophies, uh, but you will accrue them uh, pretty quickly. Me, I got this for ten forty nine, and I bought it on PSN. I did buy the PS five version, and we'll talk about how I know that. And I beat this game in around nine hours. And there is a little kind of uh, end game, like you can mess around, walk around after you beat the game. And so I might go back and kind of get some of these extra trophies. I'm not sure if I'll go for the platinum. I may have missed something. And the game was recommended to me by Colin Moriarty from Sacred Symbols. And we've talked about Colin before and a lot of his game recommendations. This one is interesting, though, because I think he knows the developer and he actually got the game for free. And he did disclose that when he talked about it, but it was a name that stuck with me. And so um, when I saw it on sale on PSN, I decided to jump in. Alright, let's talk some gameplay for Trigger Witch. So, this is a combination of three vague genres, so open-world adventure, uh, dungeon crawler, and also like bullet hell. So a lot of kind of marrying of those three sub-genres or sub subgenres. But let's start with talking about the basic move set. So your character, you can walk around with her, uh, there's no run but she does have a dash button, so you can dash and kind of like zoom past enemies or like zoom over hazards, but there are only two of them available and they have like a cool down. So if you're like looking at the HUD where her health meter is, you'll see like these two circles. And when you use a dash, it like depletes one of them. And then if you wait, it can rejuvenate, but then you have a second one. So you can dash twice at a time, but you have to wait for them to cool back down. And then there's going to be aiming and shooting. And this is where the twin stick aspect of the game comes because as you're walking around and moving the left joystick, you're using the right joystick to aim where you're going to be shooting. The name of the game is Trigger Witch, so there are going to be guns, and that's kind of the claim to fame, uh, especially in the artwork for this game. And so the way that guns work is on the top right of the HUD, you'll see whatever gun you have equipped, and you'll see it's clip size, and you're gonna shoot it until you run out, and then there's a reload button. So you're gonna start with a pistol, and then as you progress through the game, as you explore and whatnot, you will find additional guns. And these additional guns will be on a gun wheel. And if you hold one of the buttons, you'll pull up the gun wheel and you can switch to that gun. And then you can also assign guns to the D-pad for like a quick option. What's interesting is you're going to get guns that are not the pistol. And when you get more than one, you're gonna be able to swap between them by hitting the other button. So if I'm playing on PlayStation, like R1 is reload, R2 is shoot. L2 is dash, and then L1 is like switch to one of your other weapons. You'll get like a quick swap between two non-pistol weapons and you'll see them up on the HUD in the top right corner, which two of those you have like in your slot. And so if you're hitting L1, you're swapping between the non-pistol weapons. And the way that you get back to the pistol, because the pistol is like your baseline, like your main gun, is by hitting the reload button. So whenever you run out of the clip for like a different gun, like the machine gun or like the Uzis or something like that, you hit reload and those specific guns are going to have a different amount of cooldown for them to reload, but it'll bring you right to your pistol. So this makes it really kinetic. Even if you're waiting for a gun to reload, you always have the pistols up. And the pistols reload pretty quickly Um, but it's a nice kind of back and forth like trade-off and balance like if you're using a gun that goes really fast or you're using a gun that like is a big heavy hitter like it has a certain amount of clip size and once it's out like you're back to pistols so you're always kind of jumping back to pistols it's really nice as you're playing it's really satisfying to see that balance and to have that challenge of like okay i only have a couple shots with this big gun and when I'm done it, I'm right back to the pistol. So you'll get really comfortable with the pistol. But the combat in general is very fast paced. And in terms of the weapons, there's a great variety of them. Like you'll get different types, like like I said, big machine gun, or like there's a grenade launcher, or there's a flamethrower. So there are a lot of different things involved, like range and aiming. Something else that she'll have is potions. And that brings you to the health meter up at the top left corner. Whenever you're getting low, there will be indicators on the screen. Like I think it kind of yellows a little bit and her health meter kind of shakes. But you'll use a potion and I think it's a full recover for her. But you will only have one bottle for potions to start. But what's interesting is that when you use it, it empties. But it refills as you damage or kill enemies. I think it's when you kill them. I'm not quite sure, but I think it is because of a later mechanic that we'll talk about. But you only have the one potion, but as you're, like, getting a lot of enemies coming in and you're shooting them and it's, you know, fast-paced, you're reloading, you're switching guns, like, you'll gradually fill that potion back up. So if you need to use it later in battle, it's not like a one-and-done type situation. And you can get more. Like, you will get the option to have more bottles of potions. So, like, you might go into, like, a boss fight with three potions. If you lose all your health, you will die and you will regenerate at a nearest checkpoint. So it's not like you lose anything, it's not really that big of a consequence, but it does sort of add to the challenge that just like, okay, if you die, you will have to regenerate at a previous checkpoint. I'm not sure exactly about the checkpoints. If you're in a dungeon, the checkpoints are very specific because there's like these waypoints in the dungeon. But if you're in the open world, I think you might go back to the town. I'm not sure about that, but I always found that it wasn't that bad when I died, like to get back to where I was. So no real worries about that. In terms of traversal and exploration, uh, this is an open world game, but it's screen to screen and sometimes the screens are more like bigger like you'll walk and like the screen will move with you so again this is very much zelda link to the past like you'll walk and then when you get to the edge of the screen it'll like move to the next screen some things that you'll find as you're traversing through this open world Gems are a big thing. That's the main currency. You're going to also find weapon upgrade parts, and that's going to allow you to uh, upgrade your weapons, as you might think. And these are standard, it's not like specific for each weapon. Like you'll just have a part and you can use it on any weapon. You'll find a lot of enemy groups. So you'll run into groups of enemies that are just kind of standing there. And there is like a, a second or two. Uh, where they won't notice you. And I think there's even a range of what they can see. But as soon as they see you, they're going to aggro and they're going to come right at you. And I love the animation here. You'll see a little exclamation point and then the sound is like, and then they start running at you. In the open world, there's a high frequency of enemy groups, but they are kind of bunched together. So it's not like you're just going to randomly constantly be having enemies come at you. Like you'll see the whole group that's sitting there. Like they're just sitting there twiddling their thumbs. And then when you get close, they all kind of bum rush you. You do get used to the frequency of them and their placement. Like Towards the end of the game, I was like getting to this other area in the open world, and I'm like, okay, there's probably an enemy group here. So it does get a little predictable, and that's fine. There are a lot of different types, and some of them have projectiles. Some of them are going to rush at you, but they will throw things at you, and that will hurt you, but also if you come into contact with them, you'll get hit as well. And in terms of what they can do, like I said, you do have projectiles. You do have them just rushing at you. Uh, They're going to be varied in the speed that they have, the speed of their projectiles, uh, their effects... Their behavior, some of them are going to, like, you'll see mushrooms that, like, explode and give, like, a, a poison cloud or whatnot. Um, you'll see, like, humanoid enemies. You'll see a pretty good variety of them. And whenever you get to a group, the group is, it's really just all one type of enemy. Like, you'll see, like, three of one and then two of these bigger guys and then, like, okay, three of these projectile people. So it's a pretty good diversity when you see an enemy group. And these are always a good challenge. It's always satisfying to come into contact with an enemy group and have to use your weapons and reload. There's just something about like getting in there, shooting, like getting used to your guns, getting more acquainted with them, and then swapping between weapons uh, and getting better at that. And as you're progressing through the open world, if you leave the screen and come back like after a little while, that enemy group will regen. But I think if you're just back and forth like quickly, they'll still be dead. Something else we'll find is a lot of caves and like optional paths to go on and these are primarily for finding chests and chests are either going to contain gems or parts for weapon upgrades. So there's really not that much in terms of different things to find. These are going to be the main things that kind of get you going, gems and parts. You also have shops and as far as I can see there's really only two types. Types where you can upgrade weapons and then types where you can do like potion upgrades or also at the same one. I think it's like you're buying maps for secrets. And there's really only two locations for these. Uh, There's one in the main village that you start in and then there's a later village that you find. In terms of weapons, when you go to this shop where you can upgrade weapons, you'll see that each weapon that you own has four different things that you can unlock. And so the weapon parts that you'll find will unlock the ability to upgrade one of these four categories and so every weapon has the same four categories which makes it very simple and those categories are damage fire rate reload speed and clip size and so you can upgrade these four aspects for every one of your weapons as long as you get a part that unlocks it for that weapon And once you unlock it, you have to kind of spend gems to check all of the boxes. So you can max upgrade weapons. Like, for example, I max upgraded the pistol. They all have a varied amount of like how many spaces to upgrade damage or how many spaces to upgrade clip size. uh, And that's very specific to each individual weapon. But once you do max upgrade your one particular weapon, it starts to get specialty things. So I haven't noticed this for too many, but... I definitely noticed this for the pistols. You get two of them. And I think that like either increases the rate of fire or something like that. I don't know if it's just visual, but I definitely noticed like, oh, wow, she has two pistols now because I max upgraded the pistol. Uh, So that's really cool. And I think I also did that for the shotgun, which is really dope. As we're talking about traversal, let's also talk about the map. So the map, again, very Zelda Link to the Past. So you will have an overview map. It's not that big. And what you're going to see is a lot of detail for like the paths that you can walk. And it's very accurate with what's in front of you. Again, much like Link to the Past, like you can see, oh, I can go over there, but not over there. There's a cave there. So all those things will be visible when you're looking at the map. But the main thing is that anytime you have an objective, it's marked with a big red X. And you might have a situation in the game where you have multiple objectives or multiple dungeons to go to, and you'll see those red X's. So you never really have to worry about where you need to go, because the map is always communicating that to you. So that's really good. Something else you could do when you're on the map is teleport. And this is different depending on if you're in the open world or in a dungeon. So if you are in the open world, you can always teleport back to your house, which is where the first village is. If you're in a dungeon, though, the dungeon will have waypoints. And typically there are six waypoints, although some dungeons have less. And when you get to like a checkpoint waypoint, it's like this spinning kind of colorful fan that's on a pedestal. It's really weird, but it's very obvious. And you can transport between waypoints inside of a dungeon. You can also look at your inventory. Your inventory just shows like if you have particular keys for a dungeon and how many or like specific like quest items uh, to be able to traverse certain things. I didn't really look at this. I don't even think you can get a lot of information from it. It's more just visual. And as you're progressing through the game, like I said, you will see... The main objectives on the map with the X, so you can always follow that X, but basically the ebb and flow is going to be you're going to go into a particular dungeon, and then you're going to go probably back to the village and upgrade and stuff like that, and then you might need to go to another dungeon, or another red X might pop up. And so the game is super linear. Uh, You're really not going to get lost in this game. But let's talk about dungeons. So there are only about four or five in the game. There is one that's like an intro dungeon, so I'm not really counting that. But these are pretty basic, like what you would expect, again, from Link to the Past or Under Dungeon. A lot of similarities here. It's a lot of room progression and finding particular keys to get through to another spot in the dungeon. There will be some light puzzling, nothing that really is going to have you banging your head against a wall. But as you get to later dungeons, the puzzles get a little more intricate. And I like this, but it's, again, not anything overwhelming. Like I said, there are those checkpoints and warp points. Um, You also run into a lot of hazards when you're in dungeons, like a lot of spikes. Uh, on the floor and that's where like your dash will come in handy some of these again as you get further into the game will vary but then they'll also kind of call back to some of the simple ones you'll get a lot of rooms where you have to kill all the enemies to progress these are rooms where like you're not going to go and then come back and then it'll regenerate you'll just have to kill all the enemies to progress to the next thing and these rooms are going to have different things like they'll have turrets that are on as long as there are enemies in the room. But once you kill all the enemies, they'll go away. You'll also have phase spawning. So like you'll walk in and the door will shut and then you'll see like five circles pop up and then enemies are kind of spawning in the room and then you'll kill them all and then you'll see like five more circles spawn more enemies. So you will get uh, rooms like that as well as when you get to a boss arena. And bosses, I feel like are a pretty good challenge. You have the main boss and then you have like enemies rushing. And I think every boss room has the main boss and then enemies kind of spawning in. And I think it's because of that potion regeneration mechanic. So I think it's because you have to kill enemies to regen your potions. So each boss is going to have enemies kind of swarming in at you, but that's a good thing. And it adds a nice dynamic to sort of the gameplay and the reload aspect and all of the guns and damaging enemies. Like you're always looking at different corners where people are coming from to shoot. And that really gets it into that twin stick shooter vibe. Like you're never just like focusing on one area and just consistently shooting. Like you always have things coming from every angle. And in terms of other things in the game, there are some extras that you will come across like there is a casino that has some special things that you can find there is like an arena where you can do an enemy rush like you can just keep battling and battling and see how far you get and there are rewards for those things when you get there and something else that i found after i beat the game there is a new game plus but you don't have to start it right away because there's like an end game environment like you can go and go back after the main story has resolved like you can be in that world after it happens and i like games that do that And it's really cool that it also gives you the option to go into New Game Plus. So a lot of accessibility in terms of um, just trying to give fan service to the gamer there. Let's talk about the vibe of Trigger Witch. So I've said it a bunch of times, but this game just oozes Zelda Link to the Past, especially in how it looks. So let's start with talking visuals. There's a lot of color in this game, whether it's the ground or like the mountain ridges that you're walking around or the enemies and the characters. And there's a nice little kind of dichotomy with those colors there because the ground and ridges are sometimes like fall colors, or like auburns or browns or, or strange like that. And then the enemies are like really popping, like bubblegum colors, really cutesy type stuff. And so I like the contrast there. The landscape is super mountainous. I really think in a lot of ways it is literally the exact link to the past features like you'll walk up to like uh what looks like a mountain or like a ridge or something like that and you have to go around it to go up there's caves there's hills and and ridges like everything looks exactly like if if you were in link to the past and i think that's uh, definitely an ode to that game and especially if you're someone who liked traversing that open world you're really going to like traversing this one and the game is pixelated, uh, but it's nice. Like I said, the colors really pop, especially with the characters. And the characters will have those colorful sprites, but then when there's dialogue, like their busts will pop up and uh, look really nice and have some good emoting and facial expressions in dialogue. So, a lot of animation there. In terms of audio, as soon as you start up this game, I got Final Fantasy VI vibes right on the main menu. A lot of odes to great SNES games. I really love this soundtrack. I think it brings back a lot of nostalgia, especially if you're someone who loves those like jrpgs those super nintendo ones and in terms of sound effects uh really like what's going on in the game with sound effects like the enemy alerts like when you alert a group of enemies i really like how battle starts and and the music for battle picks up the noises of the guns and the reloading is so effective it really makes you feel like you have a whole arsenal and she's just shooting and ripping bullets it's really really good In terms of themes and narratives, this game really leans heavy into the gun aspect. I mean, there's almost like this religion where they're praising ballisticism as if it's like this revelation and like they worship it. But even as you kill enemies, like their blood splatters when you shoot them. It's really graphic, especially because the enemies are, like, such random shapes. Like, some of them are, like, rolling giant balls, or some of them are, like, black mages in hoods, or, like, some of them are, like, little goombas. Um, So it's really just funny to watch their blood splatter as you shoot them with, like, a shotgun. But the game in general is very tongue-in-cheek. It's... You know, very self-deprecating. Like, it understands. It doesn't take itself too seriously, uh, which is funny because it leans into, like, this gun-toting, almost GTA aspect. But there's also this strange aura about, like, the fact that they're witches, but they don't use magic. Like, magic is a no-no, and that'll come up in the story. But in terms of the characters and, and how you learn about the story, really good dialogue. There are some dialogue options that make it fun and interesting. I really like the characters, They're pretty fun, they have personality. Again, they don't take themselves too seriously. There's a lot of like funny moments and and good dialogue there. There's only like 10 characters in the game, not even. So you don't really have to worry about remembering who people are. Like you just talk to villagers and they're just kind of nobodies. In terms of the society and like the characters and what they're a part of, there's this matriarchal society, which is very similar to Time Spinner. You know, as the game progresses, the idea of like maybe someone was deceiving you about what the situation is or you know this who is the real enemy or like getting perspective as you progress through the game you know nothing new and certainly something that happened in time spinner but it definitely takes itself less seriously so less serious than time spinner i really love the story and the characters in time spinner and that was kind of heartfelt this takes a lot of that but kind of plays it up more comedically Um, some simple lessons as you get through like you know friendships and whatnot has some cuteness but when you beat the game, there there is a serious deus ex machina at the end, I will say. Something that just threw me, I was not expecting. But a lot of fun, a lot of fun vibes in this game. All right, let's wrap up the conversation about trigger witch i really think this is a great game it's a game that you can pick up and go just traverse through the open world really satisfying with those guns i always kept wanting to play like i would get home and i'm like i gotta play more trigger Witch. i really want to just progress through that world maybe it's the link to the past nostalgia but the gameplay is so fun and kinetic i really liked Whenever there was enemy encounters, I never avoided enemy encounters, which is really interesting because I know in a lot of adventure games, like if you're tired of it, uh, you'll kind of just not want to waste your time there. But the weapon variety, the upgrades, like I liked paying to upgrade my weapons and seeing how much damage they do and then like wanting to specialize. Like I really wanted to get the shotgun, but then also have a longer range weapon so I could go back and forth with them. Whenever you had a rush room, like having waves of enemy come in. And, and something else that was interesting is, again, i played it on ps5 and it really takes advantage of the dual sense controller like the trigger button for shooting guns like it has that pullback to it which is really really satisfying as you're shooting and as you're dashing so uh, shout out to the dual sense controller there really like the dungeons the puzzles are simple and i think this game has a really good challenge level it's not too challenging. I did die a few times, I will say, especially in the dungeon or in a rush room or at a boss, but I didn't feel like there were really any consequences, so I just kind of jumped back up and I wasn't that far. I think it's a short and sweet game. Again, I got through it in nine hours. This is like a, you know, Link to the Past style open world adventure, um, but. You're in and out, and it's a linear game. It has some extras if you want to get into that. And the Platinum Trophy I think seems doable and fun. I don't know if I'll be able to get it, but I may try. In terms of value, I think 15 bucks is great for this game. But if it's ever on sale, it's an absolute no-brainer. Again, it's got a lot of charm, a lot of nostalgia for SNES games, especially Link to the Past. If you were a Link to the Past fan, and I know many people that were, you owe it to yourself to jump into this game because it has a more kinetic, more modern vibe to it. And so I really recommend this game. All right, that's going to do it for this episode. Stay tuned for our next episode to see what new game we found for you.